I've discovered from different leaders how listening is as important as action. So you have some leaders that are action-oriented and some that are great listeners. Welcome to Off the Record, a podcast featuring leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, which publishes the Indiana 250, a list of the most influential business people in the state of Indiana. Today, I'm joined by Melissa Profit, partner in charge of client relations at the law firm Ice Miller and the first female managing partner of Ice Miller. Melissa has made the Indiana 250 list in each of its first two years. She's a longtime partner and specialist in employee benefits and someone who has been incredibly active in the community, both locally and at the state level. Melissa's current board appointments include Chair of the Indy Chamber of Commerce, Indiana Black Expo, U.S. Chamber of Commerce and Indiana Chamber of Commerce Boards, Star Financial Bank, Ivy Tech Foundation, Agronovis, and the NBA All-Star 2024 Host Committee, and the list just keeps going. Melissa received her bachelor's degree from Indiana University and her law degree from the Indiana University McKinney School of Law, Indianapolis. And she was just named a living legend by the Indiana Historical Society. Here's our conversation. Melissa, you're one of the most community-minded people I know in the state of Indiana. You have served in so many different ways, as I've just shared with our audience. What drives your passion for community involvement? I can't express enough how much I am rewarded by the missions of the various organizations that I'm honored to be associated with and by the individuals that are involved in those organizations. There is a true community feel and drive in Indianapolis that doesn't exist in other cities. And the intersection between the business community and the nonprofit community in our government is really unparalleled compared to other cities. And so there's such great satisfaction because I'm sitting across individuals that are clients and we're also making the community better at the same time. You've been involved in so many different organizations, both past and present. Of all those organizations that you've spent time with and, and efforts to help drive their missions and make the city and state stronger, better, which one of those would have been your favorite activities and why? That's sort of hard to choose because depending upon the phase of my life and where I was, each one of those was very significant at the time that I spent the energy and effort. But Looking back, I would say there are a couple that stand out, and uh, one of that was being on the transition team for Ballard, as well as chairing the personnel hiring, the external personnel hiring for his organization. And the reason why that was really special and unique was, first of all, it was an incredible learning experience for me. I was Republican vice chair and at the time of this election, and I knew Greg but not incredibly well. And he didn't know hardly anybody. And so when he was elected, he reached out to just a handful of individuals that he had met for help and assistance. And I was one of those individuals. And so as a result of those roles, I learned for the first time what city government was, what it entailed, all the different departments that existed, and the roles and the important obligations that each one of those roles had. So it was an opportunity to take my relationships and connections that I had and the people I knew and try to convince them to leave great jobs, take probably a 50% cut in pay, and work for somebody that they'd never met before. 
and to convince them that this community service was something that was well worth their efforts and also would be more rewarding to them than what they were currently doing. And so for me, it was a huge challenge to get up to speed and to learn. But then at the same time, it was incredibly rewarding to see individuals like, you know, Ryan Vaughn and Paul Okuson and Chris Cotterell and Jason Dudich, these incredible individuals that are now doing amazing things, come into the administration and help lead our city. That was an important one. And all of a sudden, we had a different mayor than we had from previous eight years or so, and an exciting time for the city. I remember those days well. Melissa, you're currently serving, I think, on 13 boards, which is, I know, it feels like a full-time job. It must. How can you pull all of that off and still maintain a practice at a top law firm? I would say it is actually a, a full-time job. And, and you will have individuals who will say, Teresa Lubbers would always say this, you pick one or two boards and, and that's what your focus is and that's all you should do. And I really have taken a different path for many years now. And the reason why, I mean, I'm able to do it because I do have a lot of energy and I love being busy and I'm a good delegator. But also the practice of law is not exclusive here, right? Law firms have been well known as populating nonprofit boards for decades, in part because of our skill set, but also in part because of the various companies that we represent, the various industries we represent, we're sort of all over the place and know a lot of different people. And so it's been uh, great to merge those two together. And Ice Miller, as you know, has been a huge supporter of that. Some people bring in business by negotiating a deal across the table, and someone says, I want that other lawyer across the table. For me, I'm a benefits lawyer. I'm in the HR departments. I'm not sitting there with the CEOs. And so in order to develop business and to grow my business, I really do that based upon relationships. And for me, those relationships are developed in the nonprofit world and on those boards. And so they really work pretty seamlessly together. And in my life with both my family and my work, it's all intermixed together, what I do in the community, what I do at my firm, and what I do at home. So, Melissa, let's go back a little bit to the early days. You grew up in Indy, correct? Is that right? Yes. So you obviously decided to stay in Indiana and develop your career and engagement and involvement here in Indiana. Why did you decide to stay in Indiana? Did you ever have a thought about maybe leaving the state or was it always, I'm going to stay here in Indiana and grow my life here? I actually never thought about leaving. Originally, I was going to work at my father's law firm. And as I finished law school, I decided that I didn't want to do that. But I loved my life here. I loved IU. I went to North Central High School. I had a tremendous amount of friendships. My family was here. I loved to travel so I could go visit places and then come back. And so it was never in the cards for me to even consider leaving. In fact, early on when I was engaged to my husband, he worked in D.C. and I was in Indiana and he was going to move back to Indiana no matter what. So never a thought about not being here and not staying here. And I, I actually don't understand the desire to go away and come back. It's sort of like the barn dance I didn't want to miss, so I didn't do international study at IU. I just was enjoying life so much and the people here that I had no desire to leave. You've done a ton of international travel, and I've always thought, gosh, when you do that, you do learn something more about your home and your state. Is there something that sticks out to you that makes Indiana special? Maybe it had an impact on why you did want to stay here? I don't know that this came out through my international travels, but what I love about Indianapolis in particular 
is it's not too big and it's not too small. I am still to this day consistently meeting new people either that are moving here or that have lived here their entire lives and developing new friendships. But even with the people you don't know, you're typically only one or two, three people removed away from someone that you do know. And so it's just the the people here. They're so warm, they're so friendly, and they're so welcoming that I've just always wanted to stay here. You've had a very successful career practicing law. Are there particular individuals that had a big impact on your career development, professional development? Yes, definitely. There were a lot of different, very successful partners when I joined Ice Miller that were a huge part of my development there. And it was both men and women. And I think that's really important. I think there's always the assumption that you needed to have a woman champion or a woman sponsor. And that wasn't the case. I really had both. I had both men and women that were looking out for me that had my back and primarily gave me opportunities earlier than maybe should have been provided to me or would have been expected. So whether that was serving on very important fundamental committees um, with the firm, whether that was the opportunity to be the first female and the youngest uh, managing partner at the firm, others provided those opportunities to me. Individuals such as Mary Beth Braitman and people you know, having worked at Ice Miller, Phil Bate, Buddy Downs, Brenda Horn, a lot of individuals came together and really supported me and allowed me to make mistakes, to continue to grow professionally, and then also to continue to experience relationships in the political and the community realm. In terms of your community engagement, was there somebody outside the firm that inspired you to be as engaged in the community as you have been? Looking at sort of that generation above me, the individuals that are still around, whether it was the Jim Morrises or the Mark Miles or others, seeing what an impact that they made, they were significant for me. In addition, my father was always very involved in the community, in Carmel and Novosville primarily, and that was an equal part of his role as a lawyer and as managing partner of his law firm. And so I think he was actually pretty inspirational for me in that regard. So balancing family and balancing a law practice and all the different engagements in the community that you've been involved with, are there certain core values that you live by or that you practice that have driven your ability to balance all of those things? I would say work ethic. I found out recently, it's funny, you take all those tests, those personality profile tests, and I've always been very competitive. And I discovered in some recent test that was given um, at our firm that I'm actually internally competitive as opposed to externally competitive. And so I'm constantly competing against myself. And it's going to be hard to find someone that will outwork me. So I, I just will work very, very hard to be prepared and to learn and to move to that next level. I learned from my father a non-negotiable integrity. Just you show up to the plate with honesty and transparency. And so that was just ingrained in me and it was the role model I saw growing up. So that was really fundamentally important. And then for me, it was just very important to be completely transparent with my family as they were growing up. So I was managing partner when I was in my early 40s. And I can remember in the Indianapolis Monthly, there was a really scathing review, or I should say an opinion letter about me from a woman saying that 
I was missing out on being with my children. I was missing out on being a mother because I made a comment that, yeah, I'll be at the volleyball game, but sometimes I'll be working on documents at the same time. And I can remember it was huge at the firm. The managing partners were beside themselves because it was the first female. They thought this might make the firm look bad. And how do we react to this? And looking back on that, I realized that any woman can have a full career and a family. And I just brought it home with me. So at the dinner table, I'd be talking to my kids about X, Y, and Z. And the next day, Samantha would say, Mom, is that the person you were talking about? We don't like that man, right? He wasn't very nice to you. And so for me, it was just all a seamless reality of my work as well as being a mom. I'm sure those were important life lessons for your kids and that you served as an important role model for them. That's that's an awesome story. Let's take a quick break. This is Off the Record Podcast. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand podcast. Available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Off the Record Podcast. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, and I'm talking with Melissa Profit, partner in charge of client relations at the law firm Ice Miller. What's something surprising, Melissa, about you that others may not know? Well, there's not a lot, unfortunately, about me that's surprising, like I haven't run marathons or anything like that. I think it's maybe an interesting story. When I was looking at schools, my dad was very involved, and we visited various schools and decided on Miami of Ohio and went in the summer with no air conditioning and stayed in the dorm and picked the classes and paid the bills. And literally a couple weeks before school started, I just said, I want to go to IU. And I just can't even believe my dad let me do it. And he just looked at me and said, why? And I gave the very poor reason of, because all my friends are going, and I just really want to go to IU. And so in an interesting turn of events, he let me do that. And it was also the same year that IU came out in Playboy as the number one party school in the nation. So it was all a sort of a, a an interesting path of whether this was going to work. And IU has been one of the most important parts of my life, both personally and professionally. And so that last minute pivot and my parents letting me do that in the last minute for not really a good reason really changed my trajectory. And and when you asked me earlier about, did you ever think about leaving? I actually think my experience at IU had a lot to do with me wanting to stay here. I met so many people who were from Indiana and outside of Indiana that stayed as a result of their experience at at college. And I had such a deep, rich group of friends that the thought of leaving and starting all over just made absolutely no sense to me. Well, I'm glad you worked Playboy into the conversation. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Melissa, as you talked about earlier, you've been involved politically serving on Mayor Ballard's transition team, and, and you've been very involved on the delegations that have traveled around the world with both the governor and lieutenant governor. What have you learned from your political involvement, and why has being involved politically been important to you? So I think this is a really important question because the majority of people we know now have no desire to get involved politically, and for understandable reasons. We're very polarized at this point with social media. The public nature of truths and untruths can really damage a family. That being said, there's so many important things to take away from being politically involved. And a reason why 
I will continue as long as I'm breathing to try to convince others to get involved in politics. First of all, I think there's no better example than politics as to the importance of strong leadership. When you look at what a Mitch Daniels accomplished, or Richard Luger, or a Todd Young, and you see the wake behind them of the impact that they make on so many different people, and candidly, how many people can ride in that wake in subsequent administrations, you really understand the importance of strong leadership. I think you also realize and understand what a huge sacrifice it is for the individual doing this, but at the same time, there are huge rewards. There is just a uniqueness that you necessarily can't achieve in the business world of really helping people, all different kinds of citizens throughout your state or throughout your town or your city by what you're doing. I think you also realize by being involved in politics or public service that people really, for the most part, care and want to do the right thing. You may not agree with them, but they really are driven by their families and their communities and wanting to do the right thing. I think also it's really important to understand and realize, and when you're involved in politics, you see this, that the average citizen as a person that's not in political office can really make a difference and the importance of every single vote. We have had way too many close elections, um, and, and that might be a good thing, but you lose by 40, you lose by 20. Your vote matters and what you think about really matters. I think also I've discovered from different leaders how listening is as important as action. So you have some leaders that are action-oriented and some that are great listeners. I would say that Susan Brooks is a great listener. She would sit and listen and then take back those ideas from her constituency back to the office. I think a couple of other things, I have realized that people matter more than parties do, and that if you really get to know the person, even if you disagree with their views, you will see things differently. And that's the benefit of these trade missions and leadership exchange trips. When you have government officials with business individuals together for days, you really get to know the person and understand what motivates and drives them, which allows for a greater appreciation of why they think they do and a greater understanding as to why they think they do things a certain way. And you just respect it. You may not agree with it, but you respect it. So I think political involvement is really, really important. And I have tried to encourage my children to always vote, always know who the candidates are, and try to be involved themselves. I couldn't agree more with you how important of an opportunity it is for young people to consider getting involved politically, understanding how government works, understanding how government and laws impact them. The opportunity to give back and to serve is just a tremendous opportunity, and it opens up ideas and, and opportunities that you never thought you'd have by serving. So I, I couldn't agree more with your advice. One thing that I've seen with various administrations, a lot of times it's young people that coalesce around these new administrations, and you see that their deepest, longest-term friendships developed as a result of being together in the trenches in those various administrations. And so it's a great opportunity to really develop true, long-lasting friendships as well. Have you ever thought about serving in an administration with all the work you've done, all the politicians that you've been around? Have you ever thought about serving? And if so, what, what has stopped you from doing so? So I would say there were times when I thought about it, and probably within the last five to 10 years, I didn't 
for a long time because I loved what I was doing. And I was able to get sort of that dose of it through supporting others and being that helping hand. But I think a couple things have ended up making me decide I don't really know that I want to do anything beyond what I'm doing in terms of actually running. First of all, I do realize how much timing and luck can play into these decisions as opposed to actual merit. And that's one, you've got to have the luck and you've got to have the right timing. And you can work as hard as possible and be the best candidate. And that isn't always necessarily who gets elected. And in the world that I live in, in the business world I live in, in the legal world I live in, that's very different from what I'm used to. And then probably most importantly is my husband, Tom. He reminds me that I would never sleep. I would never eat. I would never stop. And he would not think it would be good for me to do that. So I really love the role. I'm able to play with individuals that I really respect and doing everything I can to support them. So we've got a big mayor's race this year. In fact, it's less than 60 days away. We're going to find out soon whether Mayor Hogsett will get the opportunity to serve a third term or whether Jefferson Shreve, as the Republican, will get his first chance to lead the city. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement, if, if any, in that campaign? I guess I'll just make one comment and indicate that every election is an opportunity to really evaluate who should be leading the city, the state, the city county council, et cetera. And it is so important to look at this campaign, to really try to look at where the city is and decide the direction you want it to go in and get out and vote. So, Melissa, I know you were involved with the decisions, discussions around the reorganization of IUPUI because I was involved with you. Why do you think this new change where we've got Indiana University, Indianapolis, and then Purdue with a more significant presence in Indianapolis, why do you think that change is important and uh, how do you think it could be impactful for the city of Indianapolis? So I think it's a huge game changer. If you think about it right now, IUPUI is a great school with great students and great professors that is primarily viewed as a commuter school that is on the other side of West Street. And West Street sort of serves like an interstate highway, it appears like. It's segregated from the city. And now with this increased healthy competition between IU and Purdue and the understanding and the realization of creating an R1 research university or universities and the impact that can make for our city, this could be one of the biggest opportunities that we've had in, in decades. And so to think about putting a mini Bloomington over on the other side of West Street where we have culture, we have students, we have engagement, we have art, we have entrepreneurial research going on and the intersection with the business community and having these students available to be interns on site. It's just an amazing opportunity. And I also think that it's going to increase the likelihood of us retaining our students here within the city and within the state and not having them want to leave and go somewhere else. And so I think when you look at the entrepreneurial opportunities and you connect that with the research opportunities, we're going to attract amazing talent, not just with students, but with regard to professors and researchers. And I think it could truly transform our city. And Nate, you know this, we've been doing some interviewing recently from individuals from outside of the state that are very involved in chambers, of commerce, et cetera. And they are speaking from their perspective as to what a game changer this is. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it has the opportunity to be the most significant economic development driver and population driver in our city. And so I couldn't be more excited about it. And thank you for your service to help us figure that out, help Indiana University figure that out. Melissa, I'm fortunate enough to serve with you on the Indy Chamber Board of Directors and its executive committee, as well as the search committee for the new CEO of Indy Chamber. Is there any news that you can share on that front? We've got an outstanding candidate, and we're in the final throes of making this public. As you know, it had the importance of the right person at the right time, and that's what this individual is. It was daunting last October when Michael Huber told me, you know, as I was new chair into the Indy Chamber, that he was leaving to go to IU for an amazing opportunity. And the thought of replacing such a talented individual who had helped us receive um, the number one chamber in the United States award under his leadership primarily due to our amazing efforts during the COVID pandemic, it was overwhelming to think about how do we replace an individual like that. And through the great work of the search committee of which you are a part, we've found an amazing candidate. So I am so excited about this next chapter for the Andy Chamber. This person is the right leader for this moment in the Indy Chamber's history, as well as in our city's history. And I'm really looking forward to the announcement. It's going to be exciting. And this person will join other new people at top organizations, or I should say important organizations in the city and the state, like the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. They're also in a search process. We know Melina Kennedy is relatively new still at CICP and a lot of others, important downtown and state organizations. So it's a it's an important hire and it's going to be great to see all these new leaders come and work together. This is an incredibly exciting time because you're exactly right, Nate. We're going to have a new Indiana CEO, new Indy Chamber CEO, Molina. And then we have, I believe, 17 new leaders in nonprofits over the last 18 months. And so each one of these individuals is looking not only at their own organizations and their missions and reevaluating those, but they're all going to be able to work together and get to know each other. And I think the opportunities are incredibly exciting. It's an interesting time in the history of our city and state, and it is an exciting time. Staying on the Indy Chamber topic, the, the Chamber is getting ready to head to Zurich, Switzerland for the, its Lex trip, which is an exchange trip to learn about the Swiss apprenticeship model. And there's quite a delegation going. Who are some of the folks attending, Melissa, and why are these trips important and why is Zurich important? So this leadership exchange, uh, trade missions, in my opinion, are, are all very similar and have two key focuses. One is substantive focus. Why are you going to Japan? Why are you going to China? Why are you going to Nashville? What is the point of what you're trying to learn or achieve by visiting those places? What I think is always forgotten and lost is equally important is the relationships, the friendships and the dialogue that occurs on these trips by those who are attending. So Leadership Exchange is an annual trip that the Indy Chamber takes with about 100 business leaders. And we go to various cities, both international and within the United States, to learn about things that those cities are doing that we want to replicate. Homelessness, transportation, education, whatever the couple, two or three topics are, we focus on cities that are aspirational for us, that we want to learn from them and not reinvent the wheel and also learn what not to do. What did they do poorly? What do we want to avoid? And so this particular trip is completely unique because it is singularly focused 
on understanding the Swiss apprenticeship model. And the reason why this is so important is for the whole country of Switzerland, this model has been in place for several decades and is a true marriage of business and education. And ever since I've been involved in these topics for the last 30 years, the business community says the educational community isn't listening to them and vice versa. And the whole point of this is understanding what they're doing there so that we can better marry the needs of the business community with the educational components that we have with our various universities. So the attendance is fundamentally important. The people that are going on this trip are the people that can implement these changes. So we've got very large delegation of individuals from the State House, including Rod Bray, Senate Pro Tem, Todd Houston, Speaker of the House, Bob Osley, Chair of the City County Council. We have four college presidents, including Pam Witten from IU attending. We have top CEOs from various organizations throughout the state. So it's a very different list, targeted list. And we're deeply immersing in one single topic. And these are the individuals, when we come back, they're all hugely curious. They all think it has real potential in Indiana, and they want to learn in detail about it and then come back and make changes here. So I think this could be a huge game changer for the talent wars that we're seeing and experiencing across our state. I'm really excited about this opportunity and think it really could have an impact on probably our number one issue as a state, which is, you know, retaining our college graduates and connecting them to jobs. And I'm really looking forward to learning about the apprenticeship model that that Switzerland employs. So very excited. So I'm going to go off script now. And you didn't prepare for any of these. (laughs) So I'm going to try something kind of fun. And it's called Off the Record Speed Round. And so I'm going to ask you some fun questions. What's your favorite movie? Gone with the Wind. Favorite place to vacation? Italy. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. Apple or Android? Apple. Do you have any tattoos? No. And I can't tell you how hard I worked not to have my children have tattoos as well. (laughs) And and do you want one? No. (laughs) Favorite musical artist? Mellencamp. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Look at my phone. Ouch. (laughs) <laughs> there goes your that's the workaholic in you <laughs> last book you read Pakicha. best advice you ever received live in the moment awesome well melissa thank you again for being our guest on off the record podcast and thank you for all you do for our city and state thank you for all that you do as well Thanks to Melissa Prophet for our conversation. To learn more about other leaders in IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list, go to indiana250.com and look for a page two feature each week in IBJ. We'll be back with a new Indiana 250 conversation soon.